morning. Uh, I'm Beth Helton. I'm the new children's pastor here. I've had the pleasure of meeting a lot of you, but I look forward to meeting all of you one day. And I'm going to talk about the family. So you're welcome to open up your bulletin. There's some notes in there. Uh, the first one is that God designed the family. Genesis 1, 27 through 28 says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. You know, we're here today because they did that. Yay, aren't we grateful? I'm grateful. Many of you practice this verse. We're grateful too. You're growing the church. All right, so be fruitful and multiply. And we're going to talk about the family. I thought I would show you a picture of my family so you can see that. Oh, wait, that, that's not us. But it, don't, don't they look like the perfect family? And that's how I dress when I clean house, right, ladies? And I cook dinner. My husband sits in a suit all the time. Yeah, no, that's not my family. This might be a better picture of my family. That, or your family, does that resemble your family? Uh, yeah, actually, I didn't think my family would be here, but my, my daughter's softball team lost. Oh, well. Uh, and they're here. They're right over here. So there's my husband and my daughter. Y'all can wave. I told them I was going to embarrass them. She's still in her jersey. Uh, that is my family. And I, I just want to be honest, though, because as soon as I said family, some of you may have turned me off. Maybe you're single, maybe you're, you know, whatever stage of life, you're like, oh, I don't want to hear a message on the family. Or there's a reality that your family may have been a source of great pain. See, God designed a family, but the enemy tries to destroy families all the time. And you can even look at, our, at history, like in the Bible. I can't even talk about some of the families in the Bible because they're R-rated, I don't know if you know that or not. If you actually read the Bible, there's some R-rated stuff in there. And I can't, you know, talk about some of our historical families because they were so dysfunctional. That actually gives me hope for my own. You know, there's no perfect family. There's no perfect parent. You're not the perfect parent. Uh, my, my daughter will probably need, I, I used to do freedom ministry. She'll probably need, free, need freedom ministry someday because of something I've done. You know, so, but... You know, the family can be a source of pain. I don't want it to be. Uh, but if you grew up in a, a really harsh environment, I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, uh, I, I hope this sermon will give you hope because I do believe God wants to heal us from uh, mother-father wounds or, you know, step-parent wounds, whatever. Uh, if your family is dysfunctional right now, there's hope. For you. Um, you know, I'm a step-parent and even a step-grandmother and also a parent, but my youngest is only 13, so I think the jury is still out on my ability to parent. I don't think I have words of wisdom to give people, but I had some really good parents. And I will tell you, I have an older brother. My, my parents wanted the perfect child. They tried, had my brother... <laughs> Knew they had to try again. Had me. <laughs> they could stop. Some people say, yeah, they just gave up. They got you. Uh, but anyway, so there's just two of us, and we grew up in a little bitty town where everybody knows everybody's business. I mean, like Wheeler, Texas, population 1,116. 
And I think it's a compliment to my parents that people would corner my brother and I and say, we want to know what your parents did to get you guys to turn out the way you did. And I was thinking about that, and I wrote some things down, because I do think this was important, what they taught us. And the first one that, to me, is most important, my parents taught us respect for authority, all authority. You know, if I had popped off to another adult, I wouldn't be standing here. I would be talking to Jesus right now, because they taught us respect for authority, all authority, teachers, police officers, Respect for authority. We, we need to get back to that. They taught me that there were real consequences for my actions. Whether, when I was little, it might have been a spanking. As I got older, they would ground us. And I mean, and they stuck to it. They were not these people that said, you're grounded for a week. I still remember being grounded for two weeks, and they did 14 days, let me tell you. 14 days. They didn't let up, you know, and they let me suffer the consequences of my actions. And they were painful sometimes. They also taught me how to be responsible with money. I learned to be responsible with money. They gave me responsibilities, and I learned to be responsible with money. And they taught me that not to love money, but that money was a tool to bless other people. They really modeled that well for us growing up. And I'm thankful for that. And the, the last thing as I was reflecting on my parents is, they didn't fight my battles for me. None of them ran to meet with my teachers. They didn't do all that. I, 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 I had to fight my own battles. And I'm, I'm grateful today for the adult that I am because of how they raised me. Now that, you can just close the door. That's all the parenting advice and family advice you're going to get. I'm going to kind of switch this sermon around a little bit because I think we need a broader definition of the family. And I'm going to show you a picture of another family, and we're going to put it up. It's called the Icon of the Holy Trinity. It's by Andre Rublev, and that is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, depicted by an artist. See, we don't worship a singular God. We worship a triune God, one God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In this picture, they look alike, don't they? They look alike, uh, yet they're different. If you'll notice, their hands are pointing toward the other one, and their head is tilted toward their counterpart. Our, our spiritual forefathers came up with a word to describe the relationship of the Trinity. It's not in the Bible, but it's a description of the Trinity's interaction. It's parakoresis. Parachoresis, para, like perimeter choresis, where we get the word choreography. For lack of a better word, they describe the interaction of the Trinity as a, a circle dance. Now, all the men just said, we're not dancing, are we? No, there'll be no dancing. But it's a circle dance. It's how they flow. They're fluid. They, they defer to one another. They're mutually submissive, mutually deferring. But they're fully connected and fully empowering you know, uh, in that picture, do they look threatened of each other? They each have a role. God the Father has a role. God the Son has a role. God the Holy Spirit has a role. I, I can't fathom, you know, my family, we have fighting. You know, I can't fathom in this family, Jesus looking at the Father and saying, 
Why does the Holy Spirit get all the fun jobs? He didn't have to die for everybody. You know, I mean, it's just, I can't, can't picture that, but yet we, we bicker and fight, but our family, that's, that's not a traditional family. Our family really looks like this group picture we're going to put up. That's the family. If I, had, if I Googled Crossroads Church, I couldn't find a picture of you. I would have put y'all up there, but I found them. It, but it's us, all ages, all races. We are the family of God. And whether you're single, married, old, young, you're a member of that family if you claim to have Jesus as your savior. And in that family, we all have a role. God has a role for each of us within the family of God. That's what I want to talk about today. Are you fulfilling that role in the family? 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Okay, who was the spiritual gift given to? Point to the people around you and say, them, them, and then like me, each of us, not, not the most popular, not the most beautiful, not the, you know, the tallest, the best looking. It's every single one. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can do what? Help each other. Help each other. So God has a role for each person in this room, in the family of God. If you claim crossroads, God has a role for you in crossroads. Right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, 28. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So we're, we're all moving as one. So in other words, we're supposed to be doing that circle dance together. You know, we, we, we get wounded in our natural family, but do you know why God gives us a spiritual family? He wants to heal us. Maybe you didn't have a nurturing mom. So, so God says, hey, I, I've got someone that's going to teach you how to be nurturing. See, I, I have lots of spiritual fathers in my life. One of those was named Doug White. And he used to pastor for a long time in the Metroplex Restoration Church. And he told me one time that, Beth, God knows who you need when you need them. God brings just the right people into your life to parent you or to love on you or to bless you, to teach you. He brings them when you need them. And it's scriptural. In the book of John, verse nine, uh, chapter 19, verse 26, Jesus is on the cross. And it says, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, there is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. So in other words, John became the son to Mary. And God brings divine connections to us. We are the family of God. And you have a role to fill. I have a role to fill. We all have a role to fill. We have this whole church thing so backwards in my mind. It's so backwards. We think that we shop around for a church well, I kind of like their worship. Oh, the teaching's better over there. And, and then we say, yeah, that's, that's my church. That's, that's where I go. You know, it's, it, we're, this isn't the church. We are the church. We are supposed to go and be the church. You know why? You know, the, plan A, 
God's plan A is that the church, us, would reflect Jesus to the world. That's plan A. And we're so busy fighting with each other and saying, well, I'm not being fed. I've got to go to this church because I need to be fed. I'm like, do you have a Bible? Can you not eat? For crying out loud. I hate that, by the way. So please don't ever, don't ever use that line on me if you lead crossroads because I'm going to be all up in your business if that's your excuse. All right. Okay. We are the church. We come here to say, how are you doing? Oh my gosh, it's so good to see you. And we worship our Savior and we, oh, he's so good. And then we go, bye, let's go be the church now. That's how it's supposed to work. That's how it's supposed to work. (sighs) I might be a little worked up about this topic. (laughs) Maybe. Because point three is God allows us to choose whether we take our place in the family or not. God allows us to choose whether we take our place in the family or not. You know, there's not a church in this country that has to stand up during announcement time and say, please, could you guys please stop volunteering? Really, we're full. We don't have any jobs for you. You know, no, you can't work in our nursery. We have, uh, we have so many people begging to rock babies that it's full or, you know, it, no one does that. We have so many places to serve, but you know, we get to choose whether we get involved in the family of God or not. So many of us, you know, you make these announcements. It just reminds me, it, this may not come as a shock to you, but I went to college to become a coach. <laughs> Go team. And my coaching, my coaching internship, believe it or not, I was the head junior varsity high school boys basketball coach. Not girls. I was the assistant varsity boys basketball coach and the head junior varsity basketball coach. And you know what? We were good. We were really, really good. We lost one game all season. And it was a small school in the state of Oklahoma. I went to Oklahoma State University. Pistols up. Yep. Um, Anyway, we were small, so sometimes our JV boys got to suit up with the varsity. And I had this one boy on my team, he was a sophomore, his name was Scott. He could shoot the eyes out of the bucket. He was was the sweetest shot just anywhere. And I really wanted him to get a a shot on the varsity, and he suited up that day. And so I'm on the bench with the varsity too, and the uh, guards are messing up. And I don't wish that on them at all, but I'm silently hoping that Scott's getting to go in the game, right? So Coach Justice, he's getting agitated and he's looking down the bench and I'm like, oh, Scott's going to get his name called. He's going to get called in. And he keeps looking down the bench and finally I look down at the bench because I'm going to like wink at Scott like, you're about to go in, dude. And I look down there and what I saw was Scott leaning back, hiding behind two other big guys, I was not a happy camper, you know, and that was before halftime. So halftime comes and we're taken off to the locker room. And I was like, Scott, come here. I thought you wanted to play varsity. Yeah, I do. I do. And I'm like, you're lying. Cause I've been watching you down there. You're big chicken. 
Coach Justice looks down there, don't put me in, don't put me in, please, no. Honey, and he's like, well, I'm kind of afraid. And I'm like, oh, do you want to play? Yes. And I'm like, then listen to me. This is what you do. If they start messing up uh, second half, you, he, when he looks down that bench, you lean forward and look him in the eye with some fire. He's going to call your name. You're going to get to go in the game. And I said, if, you, if I look down there and you're hiding again, you're running this week. I could do that. I was his coach. <coughs> so, uh, second half comes along. Sure enough, they start messing up. Anyway, Coach Justice is getting irritated, and he looks down the line. And I see him kind of look shocked. And I look down, as Scott is doing what I told him to do. And he goes, Linsenmeyer, you want to get in this game? He goes, yes, sir. And he goes, get in. And he's running by me. I'm like, told you. Like that. <laughs> You know, and, and he did great. But I think that God is calling so many of our names. And we're like, mm, not me. <laughs> Man, we need some youth group small leaders. Oh, he would be great. He would be so good. Hey, we're going to have a community serve day. We're going to go all over Decatur. We're going to do that. Oh, I hope all those people around me volunteered. You know, no. Are, what are you doing? What are you specifically, not your spouse, not anybody, what are you doing to serve? I mean, this church has so many teams. We have a cooking team, for crying out loud. I love that team. I love that team. They're like my favorite team. We have a cooking team, hospitality team. We have children, youth. There's so many spots where you could, you could use your gifts. See, there is no plan B for this world. There's no plan B for Decatur or Bridgeport, or all the surrounding towns. It's the church. All of us, the church. The Methodists, the Baptists, but you know what? We have to be the body of Christ, and we have to serve and work together, and then that's how we, we shine and we share the light of Christ with the world, is we each say, what am I gifted and called to do? See, there's certain things you're not, never going to see me do. You're never going to see me say, hey, Pastor Barry, can I be on the worship team? You know why? Because I like you. I don't want to inflict that on you. The only place I sound good when I sing is my car. That's it. You know, I'm not good at certain things. You know, and remember the picture of the Trinity, how they defer to one another? There's people that are good at stuff, people that are not good at stuff. Uh, even in my family, I don't do the math. That's Dale's role. I do the English. That's my role. You know, so what are you good at? How has he wired you up? How are you gifted, talented? That's, that's the gifts God's given you. Are you using them? We want you to use them here. Are you fulfilled? You know, if you're restless in the church, the best way to get fulfilled is to serve. We serve. You know, there's just no plan B. And you know, sometimes the call of God may cost you something. I really felt like I was supposed to tell you this story. It's not one I tell publicly, but... Um, you know how you kind of have, when you're a kid, when you're a young girl, you kind of plan out your wedding and you're going to do all this. All the young girls like, yes, I remember. You know, in my brain, my life planned out. I thought, I think I'm going to wait. I'm going to be a little older when I get married. I'm going to be 26 years old. I just picked a number and I prayed about it. I'm, I think I'm going to get married when I'm 26. Well, 26 comes along the year, right? And God is not sticking to the plan. 
couldn't figure it out. I don't, he's not bringing a man into my life. I'm serving as a youth pastor. And I'm like, hey, hey, time's ticking. I need, need, to, need a ring on the finger. Let's go. And my older brother was married and they were pregnant, expecting their first child. My best friend from high school, married, pregnant, expecting the first child. My best friend from college called me. She's pregnant, expecting her first child, married happily. And here's me. I'm 26, it's time for me to get married, and I'm not even dating anybody. And you know what? I was kind of put out with God. And I remember I was living in Abilene, Texas at the time. I was going home from work to my apartment. I had stuff in my hands, and I'm tromping up the stairs, complaining to God. And I said, you know what? I am just working my tail off for you, and you can't even bring a man into my life. <laughs> and, and it's like he went, Whoop. remember that respect for authority? And I just talked to him and, you know, and I, I don't say God spoke to me very often, but he spoke to me. I was trying to get the key in my front door and God clearly said, okay, Beth, I will bring a man into your life. You can get married now and you will have one natural child of your own. Or if you will wait on me, I'll give you hundreds of mine. I remember getting the, the door unlocked and setting everything down and going, what? You know, and I'm like, did, did I just have bad pizza or something? And he said, I will bring a man into your life right now. You can get married and you will have one natural child of your own. But if you will wait on me, I will give you hundreds of mine. Now, hundreds is really important. Because at the time, my youth group had a grand total of 50 kids in it. And he's sitting here telling me, if I'll wait, he's going to give me hundreds. I graduated with 28 kids in my class. It's hard for me to wrap my brain around hundreds of his kids. And I had so much faith and I'm so obedient. I made him tell me that four times. And I remember getting on the knees in my, my knees in my apartment and crying because I wanted to get married. I wanted to have babies. I wanted to do all that with my brother and sister-in-law and all that. But I remember saying, God, I guess you have a bigger plan for me right now than marriage. And if you'll give me hundreds of your kids, I'll wait. I'll wait. And... I would love to tell you, oh, I never struggled with being single another day. No, I had many lonely nights, but God kept his word. He took me from Abilene, Texas and planted me in Indiana. And we, there was about 70 kids in this church in Indiana and God just showed up and he showed me some things to do. And, and our church was really the church. They really rose up and said, we're going to reach kids and our youth ministry went from 70 kids to, to 200 to 300. We skipped 400s altogether, went up to 500, 600, 700. This is a church of about 2,000 people. And we're running 700 kids every week. And we averaged kids getting saved, meeting Jesus six per week for years. Six per week. That's amazing. You know, and it, it was only after, you know, by then, it's, it's been 10 years. 
You know, I'm serving God. He's doing all this stuff in Indiana. And then God says, oh, you've got hundreds of my kids. Here's your spouse. And that's when Dale came into my life and we got married. And um, I'm just saying, I've never regretted a minute saying yes to God's call on my life. And yes to using God's gifts and talents in the church. So I want us each to just ask this question. If you'll just stand up where you are, we're going to have some one-on-one time with God where, where we ask him, if you'd just close your eyes right where you are and ask him this question, am I filling my role in your family? And I don't want to assume anything. You could even be in this room and you've never joined God's family. The way to do that is just to surrender your life and to say, Jesus, I've been living for myself and today I I want to surrender my life to you. I want to give you control of my life. Will you just come into my heart? Will you save me today? If that's you, please, please do that. You can step from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light in one instant. But if you're here and you're a believer... Are you using your gifts and your talents in the body of Christ, in the family? Are you a vital member of the family? Are you serving? I'm going to invite our, worship, our uh, prayer team to come forward. And you may be here, and today you're just hurting. This sermon didn't mean anything at all because you've got a situation. Please don't leave hurting. Please come forward and let someone pray with you. You may also be here and you want to just take a step of faith and tell someone, like, I, I, need, to, I need to get more involved. Or God's really convicted me. I, I want to serve him more. Or I don't know where to serve, but I'm just walking to the front saying, I am ready. I'm willing. One thing I've noticed here at Crossroads is we're pretty shy about coming to the front. You know what? If you come to the front, you're brave. You're really brave. No one's going to look down on you. This is where you come. You shouldn't go out those doors. Come forward and get prayer. That's why we have a prayer team here is we want to pray and believe God with you and pray for you and encourage you. So don't ever be hesitant to come forward and ask for prayer. Nobody's pointing at you or looking at you. But I just want to pray for us and then you'll be free to come. So God, I thank you for every man and woman, boy and girl in this room. Holy Spirit, I pray and thank you for the gifts and talents represented right here in this room. God, I thank you that we are plan A to reach a world. God, I pray that we would use our gifts and our talents to lead others to you. I pray that we would be so contagious. They would want to know what we have. God, I pray that you would give us divine appointments. God, I pray that you would give us divine strategies, new ministries, new things to do. God, speak to the men and women in this room new ideas. God, I pray for fresh passion. We are not a mistake and our gifts aren't a mistake. God, I just pray that we would just rise up and take our place. Lord, whether it's volunteering in the youth ministry or children's ministry or the worship team, whatever it is, God, I pray that we would step forward. We would lean forward. We wouldn't hide back. We'd say yes to you. So God, I just pray you'd stir our hearts. God, if we need to come forward and tell somebody, I pray we'd have the courage to do that. God, I pray that you would meet the deepest needs in here this morning. Let your presence be felt during this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.